piece, I love what you've got going. Um, with this new one, it's kind of an earth spirit energy. It's called A Wood and Spirit, American Guitar Stories. Um, and it's a little different than your other albums. First, let me introduce you. I think everyone knows Kimo. James Kimo West has is, is gotten many Grammys, many awards, and he travels the world as well with Weird Al Yankovic and has played um, on, on a lot of his music and his tours. And I have to also congratulate you because Weird Al, the movie, just came out with eight Emmy nominations. And that blew my mind. Were, were you surprised to see all those amazing nominations for this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I was. You know, I uh, I, I had thought it had a good chance at a, at a couple anyway. I wasn't didn't think about eight. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, you know, it wasn't the movie wasn't. Uh, it's, it was on the Roku channel. It's on the Roku channel, and they don't do theatrical releases, so it wasn't um, eligible for an Oscar uh, for any Oscars because of the fact that it didn't play in theaters. You know, but it's great to have the Emmy nominations. That's just amazing. Okay, I watched the movie because I knew I'd be talking to you. And I found it so funny. I, you know, there's movies you watch and it's kind of humorous. I was laughing out loud. Some of those bits in there were just outrageous. Didn't When you saw it, weren't you just amazed how funny it really was? <laughs> you know, I've seen it about four times, and, it, and I, I still laugh. You know, I mean, it is, it is really funny and very irreverent and just a, a really uh, unique kind of humor, you know. It's 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 Al. It's he's got his own kind of brand of humor, and and he and, and Eric um, uh, wrote the movie, and they um, you know did a great job of uh, of putting it together. It was just amazing. And there's some of those things were true, and some were a little enhanced or kind of a fantasy. But uh, well, but... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would say very little of it is true. Yeah. Um, and um, I think. The fact that, you know, Al was introduced to the accordion by a, a, a traveling salesman who came to the door with it selling accordions, I think that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not much else. You know, there are a couple other things, but not much else. It's pretty much all a fictional biopic, you know. Uh, but but there, are, there were some things that were true also. The fact that um, people actually, big stars got actually... A boost in their sales by um, that's him true. Doing... That that's another fact that actually, yeah, they they called it the Yankovic bump, meaning that when Al would parody one of their songs, it would kind of their original version would kind of go back up in sales as well. <laughs> yeah, which which I mean, it made sense, and I having been aware of his releases and playing them on the radio and um, seeing that that it did bring a lot of people. And you know what? They were clever, clever, funny takeoffs. I mean, they really yeah, were, yeah. you know. Al's, so Al's, uh, Al works hard at his lyrics, and, and you know, in some cases, I think Al's lyrics are just way, you know, better, better crafted lyrics than the originals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, uh, and 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 it was in the movie you could kind of see the funny bits. Now, I mean, of course, I have not had a chance to see him in concert. So, so when you do it in concert, do you try to get into the theme? Obviously, in the movie. They make it sound like the concerts that's all acted out with the with the parodies. Do do you get at all into that when you're doing the live shows? Well, the live shows vary. I mean, we our normal the last couple of years we've been doing a stripped down show, which is mostly aimed at his hardcore fans, and it's basically none of the parodies. It's all his originals, which you know the albums are both parodies and and his originals, and his originals are really funny, and they're oftentimes sort of the based on a sound of a certain band. Um, 
so this tour, these last couple of years, we've been touring a show where it's a stripped-down show, no big, no video or anything like that. And it's basically us, uh, just more of an intimate show where we're playing all these deep cuts. And the normal show is a big, big event where we have uh, big video screens and um, costumes and, you know, videos during the show. Wow. And that's a different kind of a show. And it was too expensive to bring that one to Hawaii. Yeah. So that's why we had never played in Hawaii until recently because of uh, the expense of that, you know. Uh-huh. But um, so there's two different kinds of shows, and one of them is you know the big sort of multimedia, big show, and then this this show is the stripped down show, which is a lot of fun yeah. too as well. So so you've worn a couple of hats for years now. When did you join the band? Because if you've watched the movie, and I recommend you do, it's just really funny. Um, he showed the um, evolution of his young school friends and his people that he loved when he was young and i have to say there is a guy that looks a lot like you in that role of the guitarist was there any kind of uh, attempt to try to make it look like you um yeah basically they i mean originally i didn't know that i was going to be you know represented in the movie um but i actually saw a facebook post and i guess my name was tagged in it and it was the the actor's mom saying i'm so proud that my son Jack is getting to play Jim Kimo West in the new movie, Weird Al movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so Jack Lancaster played me, um, and um, and you know they were using you know basically the timeline of this movie was more like the '80s, you know. So they used pictures from the '80s, uh-huh. um, and um, you know, and definitely, uh, uh, I think they came very close. And also his mannerisms when he played on stage, I think he really studied some video of of me playing. So I, I think they did an amazing job, actually. I, I think so, too. It was it was fun. It really was fun. I recommend people seeing it. You can see it on Roku. and Is it on YouTube as well? I don't know about YouTube, but it's on RokuChannel.com. You yeah. can watch it on that, yeah. Yeah, I did watch yeah, it. That's where I watched it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a really funny movie. I recommend it, and it's not like any comedy you've ever seen. I think it's really a, it's, its own unique thing. And, um, and it was... You know, I wasn't in the movie, of, per se. Of course, I was being portrayed by an actor. But, but whenever you see the bands playing um, live, that's all us playing. And, uh, oh. You know, yeah. Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. That's re- re- recreating the, the songs, you know. The, so all the music that's played while we were on stage playing and things like that, that's all, you know, me playing and uh, playing the guitar parts and, and actually some of the keyboard parts as well. So how does that work with royalties? Because everyone tells me, if you really want to make money, you've got to get into the movies. Uh, you know, <laughs> people love to be on soundtracks. Of course, every musician I goes, oh, my gosh, I've made more money on a soundtrack than I ever made selling well, CDs. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, I, I didn't write any of those songs. Oh. You know, those are, and, of course, if of course, if they're, when they're, you know, the parodies, of course, any royalty would have to be split between the original writer and, and Al. That was his, his, how his, how it works on his albums. You know, he has a, uh, a split with the original writer because the music is by the original writer and the lyrics oh. are by him. So, oh, yeah. And but as far as it being a musician, no, we, I don't know that we will get. We went. I, I don't know if we will get any kind of residuals from that or not. We were paid up front to do it, of course. You know, but as far yeah. as residuals, um, I don't know if that. You know, Roku Channel. It depends on the. You know, those kind of performance royalties depend on. The network. I mean, obviously, if it was NBC or something, that would be a different story. Um, yeah, yeah. But then the, the different channels have their own weighting, you know, their own kind of uh, uh, pay scale, I guess you'd say, you know. So uh, 
who knows? I may get, I may see something else for that, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's interesting because you have, um, of course, these two sides to you. You get to really play guitar and rock out and have fun when you're on tour, and you did a very long tour. This last tour was super long um, that, <laughs> that you did and, and covered a lot of territory. But then you have the other side that comes to either Kauai or Maui or the Big Island, and you just chill. You just um, go out to Hana. I think this last trip you spent a lot of time in Hana, didn't you? Yeah, well, Hana is, you know, I lived in Hana for for quite a while, and I, um, uh, you know, I, I have my brother lives out there, and, you know, so whenever I'm on Maui, I, I try to get out to Hana, you know, as much as I can um, and spend some time. I mean, it was a quick trip, this very last trip, but I'll, after the tour, ended in um, March, I did go out to Hana for a week um, just to chill. And this time I was back on Maui because um, I had um, uh, some shows with Leo Connie Pryor out in Hana. And so uh, I came over for that, basically, and then a couple of extra days to chill out. Where did you, where did you play? There aren't that many, many places to play in no, Hana. Uh, <laughs> no, they're not. But, uh, you know, the, the way I know Leo Connie and uh, guys... Uh, and uh, C.J. Halakai is, there, you know, they would always be playing at the Paniolo Lounge or the dining room at the Hotel Hana Maui. Oh, yeah. And so, so whenever I was in town, I would go play music with them. So over the many, many, many years, I played with them many times. And now everybody's spread apart. Uh, you know, I'm on the mainland, Leo County's in Santa Barbara. C.J. Halakai in Boise, Kauai, is, they're on the west side of Maui now. So um, it was kind of a big reunion. So we had a show at the hotel in the dining room. Um, wow. It was a reservation, reservation only, kind of big reunion show. And so it was a classic, you know, Hana evening, like the old days. You know, wow. everybody came out, and it was just the, the best time. We had lots of guest hula dancers and um, fantastic time. But but the main show was the next day, and that was a there's a concert series that is um, during the summer. And I think they'll be doing it for the next few years, but it's um, they're bringing different acts in um, to play in Hana. Um, it's set up near the Hana Farmer's Market, which is basically across the street from Hasegawa store, uh, or actually down below the Hana Ranch restaurant. And they have a stage, and um, and they bring, bring in different acts, like Uncle George Kohomo, who played one week, and then they, uh, Amy Hanai is playing one week. And so we were the featured act for that particular weekend. For that particular day, I think it was a Thursday, so or Friday, I believe. So we had a um, really good time playing in Hana, and uh, and we, we had been over in Honolulu because we were uh, the record that I did with Leo Connie. We had some nominations, the Hoku nominations. So yeah. We were, went over there for the for the Hoku's first, you know, and then um, came back to Hana after that. Well, I I used to go to Hana um, usually on Christmas Eve. And stay at the yeah. hotel because right across the street from the Hana Hotel is the beautiful old church that goes way back. And, mm-hmm. of course, we're talking Hawaii, so we're not talking way back like you would get in Italy, but way back for Hawaii. And and, mm-hmm. it, and it was always a beautiful experience because you'd go um, just around sunset and you'd get a bag. They'd give you a bag with oranges, nuts, which is kind of an interesting thing because that's actually European old style. You would get that. And then you, mm. go, you go into that church, and then th- th- you'd be hearing the Christmas carols in Hawaiian and uh, mm-hmm. sung by the beautiful children. And it was so timeless and special and pure um, mm-hmm. that it was wonderful. Now, 
I I love that hotel, but truly, yeah, that's the one, the one on Alua, one on Alua Church, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, but, I've been to that church a number of times for different things, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful old church. It was built back um, in the eighteen hundreds, yeah, uh, mid eighteen hundreds, uh, and it was originally built from coral coral rock. You yeah, know, um, it's stuccoed over now, but in the old days, you could you could still see the outlines of the coral rocks that it was made built with. Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. Just just wonderful. Unfortunately, the prices have gone up, and it's rather expensive to stay at the hotel now. When it, when it, <laughs> yeah, I think there are, I think there are a number of like Airbnbs and things like yes, that as there well are. now. But um, there are. Yeah. But yeah, the hotel is, is quite pricey, but um, but it's always a fun time. We had a we had a great time there, and I packed a lot of you know a lot of stuff into a few days. <laughs> well, that's awfully nice. Did you get to stay at the hotel? Uh, no, I actually stayed. Uh, I have a place I stay. It's a, a, a friend's place. It's about five miles beyond Hana. Uh-huh. And um, I, I stayed there. I could have stayed at the hotel, I guess, because I think they gave the other guys some rooms. But, um, but um, yeah, no, I stayed out towards Kuali. Mm, yeah, it's, it is. It's like its own little universe there. And you do feel like you're going back in time. The same way you kind of do when you go to Molokai. Um, yes. You know, yep. yeah, it, it feels very pure and and wonderful. I mean, you know, so that that must have been very very special. I didn't realize you actually got to play at the hotel that, because actually, yeah. yeah, in the early days before it got bought out, that was the way it used to be. You know, which was old style. You'd go in and it, at night, um, you would hear some wonderful musicians coming and play, and then mm-hmm. you see the local schools dancers, the kids come in and play, and some mm-hmm. of the hula laos on that stage and. And uh, you know, of course, it's got that beautiful big dining room, and you have the view, and it, it's very, it's very special. It's, it's always yeah, it's very old, old style, and um, it still is. It still has that vibe, especially the night that we played, because everybody, you know, everybody came out, and uh, it was just such a beautiful evening, and we had so much, just such, such an aloha filled evening. It was so beautiful, and we, and we sounded good too. You know, we'd been I we had a few did. gigs, <laughs> we had a few gigs under our belt, and we had it all really ironed out but we had a really good time and um we're, we may we may try and do some shows on the mainland in, uh later in the fall oh wonderful did you uh, you didn't happen to record that show at the hana hotel did you no oh. <laughs> it would have been a good idea probably but there's probably some youtube videos out there but yeah yeah but, uh yeah it was it was super fun we had a really nice time and um and uh you know that's uh you know, I I remember playing there. I mean, I, like I said, I used to play there so many times with you know back in the day when they would everybody was in Hana, and I remember once we were uh, playing, and I think Ken Emerson was playing with us once too. We were in the dining room, and it was a fancy evening, um, you know, with not as, as big an evening as the other night, but you know there were a lot of uh, tourists and you know hotel guests watching the show, and and uh, Auntie Carol was dancing hula, and right in the middle of Right in the middle of the song, this huge centipede came crawling <gasps> on the floor right towards the dancer, oh, no. Andy Carroll, and 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 the, and the hotel guests were completely, uh, you know, terrified. And and Uncle Boise went and got a his like you know something his bag a gig bag and went over and just smashed the thing to <laughs> pieces. And the, and well, the hotel guests were just like their jaws had dropped. You know, they were like, "Oh my God!" And this was a big centipede. It was about. Like one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. <laughs> have Have you ever been bitten by a centipede, Jim? Uh, you know, I think 
I did get bitten by a small, little, tiny one, and mm-hmm. it really hurt. You know, it kind of stings. It, really, it, it, was, it stings. Yeah, it, yeah, and my whole foot swelled up. It does and, swell know, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a little. I think the little ones are worse than the big ones, but but uh, yeah, one time. But I, you know, you learn to be careful, and you know. Open your bed sheets and take a quick look before Sometimes, you hop in there. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you know, I'll tell you something. Those centipedes can move fast. And if you get, if you see a centipede and and you try to go after and chase it, good luck. Good luck. They they <laughs> they can outrun you because they got a lot more legs than you. And yes. then there's always like you try to go back to sleep thinking, oh my god, I've got a centipede <laughs> hanging around here. Waiting to bite me, you know. I, I've been there. I've done that. I just like so. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to talk about your wonderful new album of Wood and Spirit. This is a little bit of a different story and vibe than, you, you know. Usually, you do music that has to do with one of the islands or Hawaii, and this one mm-hmm. has. Tell me about the whole background of how you did this one because it's a little different than your other albums. Yeah, you know, it has a bit of a more, it's not really a Hawaiian record, although I use a lot of flat key tunings and things like that and, and techniques and stuff. You know, it's sort of built into my guitar sound, but I, um, it's basically a, more of an Americana record, and it's really inspired, you know, over the years with playing with Weird Al, I've toured all over America. I've played in every state, you know, I've been to every state, you know, and over the many, many, many years, you know, and I've you know, met so many people and seen so many places. And so it's sort of, uh, it's sort of, um, that's sort of the inspiration, you know, of it. The general inspiration of it is just my general kind of a feeling of the spirit of the country, you know, more like connecting with the spirit of, of people from different parts of the country. And, um, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not like there's one song that's, you know, tuned into its particular state or something, but there are, there, you know, some of the songs have, have feelings from, uh, you know, from my experiences in different parts of the country. Well, I have to say, you know, I'm a, a huge fan following you on Facebook. I love the way you put um, beautiful pictures, and you always do take time when you're on tour uh, to go and take pictures, even when you're not on tour. I know when you're in Hana. Um, <laughs> you, you, you do take wonderful pictures that make people oh, feel you. like you're part of it. So when I saw this, I wasn't too surprised because you really are a person that doesn't just go to a place, but you go to a place and try to get the vibe of the place and the feeling of the place when you're there. And I guess now you've gone to some of these places a few times. Um, yeah. 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 So so let's, I'm going to play a little bit as you tell us a little bit. Um, sure. Th- tell us a little bit about Ghost Town Waltz and what that came from. <laughs> well, you know, out here in the West, there um, there's a lot of really interesting areas when you get away from the coast. You know, you've got a lot of desert, you've got a lot of um, a lot of small towns that don't exist anymore, you know, that they call them ghost towns. And, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't really based on any particular one ghost town, but I've, I've driven past a few towns that, you know, they used to be, they were on a road that used to be a, a major road, for example, or even like Route 66 and places like that, where all of a sudden, you know, over the years, the freeway was built and then nobody goes down that road anymore and then the town just shrivels up, you know. But this was sort of the, you know, the concept of the, the, the old ghost town and and sort of the spirit you know of, of the people who live there is you know sort of still there and the and sort of the concept maybe if i did a video i might have some you know images of the the spirits of the people waltzing you know in the in the ballroom or something you know uh but it's just sort of a dreamy ghost town you know feel um and um 
and that's sort of the impression I, I, I got from from this vibe. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's definitely a Western U.S. feeling. You know. Well, I've been to ghost towns. When you drive through the uh, kind of before Yosemite and some of the hills as you are crossing mm-hmm. around, sometimes before you go into Nevada or Reno, um, there's a lot of interesting old towns that you can actually see like that. And they do have exactly what you were saying. They have this feeling that's kind of like from another time and space. And a lot of them are wood that are kind of some of falling down and some are kind of, you know, you could imagine what it must have been like. Um, a lot of those have now been taken down, but there are some that have made into commercial, you know, places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there, there are there are a lot of them are just, uh, you know, have, are just sitting there rotting away. But but as you drive through them, you, you know, you, you can get this, you sort of have this feeling of like what it, what it was like back when it was a real town and people lived there. And uh, so it's kind of like the idea of sort of channeling the spirit of, of, of the town as it used to be, you know. Um, you know, and you can't help but wonder, because when you go through them, a lot of times you've driven a long time to get there. Uh, and you can't help but wonder, I mean, I can't help but wonder what, what it must have been like on horseback or stagecoach or uh, mm-hmm. the trials of what you, you take to get to a place like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not, a hard, hard life for people back in those days and no air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Um, and it's kind of interesting. We've seen enough movies that kind of talk about what those towns were like and and so this is up. It's kind of got an interesting vibe. It's a very kind of dreaming vibe that that you've got on the song. But it's very lovely. You've still got your you've got your own musical style that carries through. That is always kind of uh, a lilting lyrical feel to your music that um, accompanies this. And in a strange way, it'd be interesting. Some of these actually could be used uh, for movies. You know, had you considered that at all? Well. Um... Yeah, you know, I, I have sent it out to a few music supervisors because it does have a very um, cinematic feel to it. Um, generally, though, music supervisors are looking for songs that are sung, you know, because they'll have a scene where they want a certain lyric and, to go with it with the scene. But you never know; uh, it's possible that I might be able to get, you know, get get some of this used on, on something. Well, especially nice. <laughs> since all these, uh, you know, since uh, our Yellowstone's become so popular, and there's a series that run off some of these actually go back I think that was it 1923 and some of the others actually take it back mm-hmm. to that time um, yeah so 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 this tell us about one Sierra morning and uh, what that's about well you know the Sierras um, I've spent some time up there and uh, and it is um, you know the air is so crisp and clean and um, it, the skies are so blue there it's just really a place that feels so so fresh you know and and so much nature and um uh you know hiking through the forest and the, and the waterfalls and uh that whole part of the country is just uh, very to me very invigorating so that's sort of the the feeling of this song is sort of you know that the feeling of being up there in the mountains and you know in the fresh air and the beautiful all the forests and, and the great hiking and everything it's just uh, it's just sort of a vibe vibe i guess that i get from being up there have you gone to yosemite you know i haven't actually been to the park but i've been all around the park that area mammoth lakes and you know all around that same part of of uh 
Um, I think the time I was up there, it was so crowded, I really didn't feel like, you know, getting into the Disneyland experience. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what? You are so, so right, Chemo. In fact, I just saw a post of someone who said, I cannot handle what's happened to Yosemite. I'm just going to go to the outlying areas. They said that it's just so crowded that it's become impossible, that it's become, just like you said, a Disneyland. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's sad. I remember, I haven't been there in about, oh, I don't know, 10 years. But at that point, it was getting to the point where I would just stay um, up on the upper levels there and, and walk mm-hmm. around. You can take, you know, drive to the upper levels and find some lovely trails. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of other outlying areas in the Sierras. Um, unfortunately, they've had some bad fires um, near the sequoias yeah. and others, and, and, and it's heartbreaking when you see some of these old trees. Um, mm, they yeah. go back hundreds of years have, have been lost in the fire. Um, yeah, up in, uh, up in where I was in Mammoth, um, saw some of that, not as much, but there are, there are some other canyons right around Yosemite and things that have a lot of the same scenery in it. Yeah. They're quite beautiful, and um, you don't necessarily have to do the Yosemite trip. You know, there's a lot of very similar terrain right around there. I mean, I can't help but wonder what John Muir would say. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that wonderful special uh, on John Muir. I think Ken Burns did it. But, I mean, there's that wonderful show, and and you know what? These, These parks were set up so we can go out and enjoy the beauty and the solitude and the space of nature. And, and and if John Muir could see what Yosemite had become now, I think he'd cry if he could see what's <laughs> what's happened, right? Well, it's nice it's nice that people want to get out into nature, and it's I think they just need to do a better job of of managing the uh, managing the demand, and you know because uh, I I don't know I think maybe now they might be during peak seasons they might you might have to have a reservation. That's what was suggested on the post I saw. Is they need to go to reservations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad, yeah, but it's true. Yeah, because um, it's you know it's crazy to be driving to a place like that and then you know just being in a giant traffic jam and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it is it's a shame, and I've heard this year they had more wonderful waterfalls, you know, than many other times in last year when the when the yeah. rains came that they had wonderful waterfalls, which is what, I mean, of course, everyone wants to see the waterfalls, so that's why you have that crowd of areas where the waterfalls yep. are you know you know and i know that but yeah i think probably the best time to go i mean uh, it, it, the best time would be probably after summer after labor day yep. you're still going to have nice warm weather and less people you know yeah i, I absolutely agree uh, you probably can't hear it but i'm playing your music under this as we talk i don't think on the oh, phone you fantastic. can hear it. yeah yes. i don't hear it but that's yeah okay. <laughs> uh, you'll hear it on the replay <laughs> um okay uh, uh, so we're going to go on to the next song. Under, is that pronounced uh, voodoo, voodoo, or how do you pronounce that word? Just, uh, well, it's just another spelling of the word voodoo, you know, voodoo, which is a Haitian uh, kind of a healing art, you know, what they call voodoo, you know, they have voodoo dolls. It's just another, it's kind of like the original spelling of it, or the, the French Haitian spelling of it. <laughs> well, and, and I was wondering, because it's spelled on the uh, CD, uh, V-O, uh, V-O-O-D-O-U and I'd never heard that before but your style on this particular song kind of draws more into that, that blues and that kind of soul a little more than the, the other songs so uh, we, you've probably been to a lot of towns What when you go back in your memory and you start to play songs like this where do you go? Where do you remember that was uh, touched by that spirit? Well it's, it's really um, 
a feeling I got from spending time in New Orleans and around that area, you know, because there's so much history there and it's such a unique place. New Orleans is such a, a unique mix of people. You know, you have your, um, your the French, you have your Haitian immigrants, African immigrants. Um, it's, it's a real um, gumbo, I guess, yeah. <laughs> of, 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 of people. And the, and the, you know, the voodoo tradition was, um, like I say, it was, you know, it has negative connotations nowadays, but it was really more of a, a healing art, you know, it was something people, they would try yeah. to get people into a, a, a state, maybe I guess you'd say a trance or something mm-hmm. to help them, help them eliminate problems, you know, um, and, um, and, you know, get, you know, eliminate bad stuff. Um, but, uh. You know, when you and when you go to New Orleans, you can. I mean, there's so much history there. You can you can feel you can feel the history when you're there. You really can. You know? um, so that's it's really inspired by by that sort of uh, digging into that that history of early history of New Orleans and the and um, you know the voodoo tradition. So when you go to New Orleans, there's some amazing music traditions. Where what club do you go to to get good music in New Orleans? Oh gee, you know I don't have a a, a favorite, but I, there's a place on Frenchman Street, and I can't think of the name of it now. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I mean, obviously there's Preservation Hall, you know, for the you know the classic, you know, Dixieland, um, uh, and then you know Bourbon Street is just like a bunch of bars with everything, mostly rock and roll and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's there are a couple places. Um, and one I'm thinking of, I can't think of the name, it's on Frenchman Street. But, um, and then they also have, you know, the New Orleans Jazz Fest, which has everything. And yeah. It's That's basically a huge. festival, a festival with, with venues, you know, where there's different acts playing at different venues. It's not all just one, one big venue, you know, but it's stuff all over town. Um, I've never actually been there for Jazz Fest. But, I um, haven't either. I'd love to, love to be there or maybe even play there for Jazz Fest. They probably don't get any much Hawaiian slack either. But <laughs> well, maybe maybe this style, though. But, you know, it's interesting because, um, I mean, I love, and I was lucky enough to see Dr. John and the Night Tripper and um, with the Wild Chapatulas years ago at, at uh, the Troubadour. And mm. I had never seen anything like it before in my life. The wild chapatulas came out with full regalia, with feathers that went up like you know five feet, and, and some trailing behind them, and all in different colors. And uh, and then with Dr. John, I mean, I'll tell you, you did feel that. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I know, of course, Dr. John's gone, but I don't know if the wild chapatulas are still doing anything there. There's probably all new ones, you know. Um, but well, but, yeah, you know. Um yeah, I have a you know a couple of connections with Dr. John. The first one being, is Dr. John was actually the first concert I ever went to. Wow! And it, and it was in a very small coffee house in Ottawa, Canada. My older brother lives there, and he's like you know ten years older than me. But when I was twelve or so, he took me to see Dr. John, and it was the beginning. It was the, the first you know his Night Tripper album, mm-hmm. and he you know he came out with all the. You know, the, all the regalia yeah. and all the this magic dust and everything. It was it just was mind blowing. So that was actually my first concert. And um, over the years, I've met you know I know, I have friends in New Orleans who were very close to Dr. John, including um, his granddaughter Stephanie, who's a friend of mine. Wow. Um, so I have a I have connections with Dr. John. Um, 
and then that family uh, um, for, for quite a number of years. But uh, anyway, that's my Dr. John. Well, story. you know, he was one of the very first um, great pianists that actually got to get played on rock and roll radio. Um, obviously, someone loved him in our record company, and the A and R artists are. PR people got them out there, and you'd be able to play right place, wrong time, or Ico Ico, you know. And and and, mm -hmm. and those those did make it. They 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 were yes. amazing. It broke crossed over, right? Which is unusual. They did, yeah. They did, yes, yeah. He was a he was originally a guitarist before that, and he not. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a an accident where I think there was a, somehow his finger got shot off in a, some kind of wow. barroom fight or something. Wow. I'm not sure what. But uh, but anyway, he um, switched over. Uh, for some reason, it was easier for him to play piano. I mean, I he did start off as a guitarist. But I had never heard that. Amazing. Yeah, he, he played on some. You know, I mean, his name is Mac Rebinac, so you yeah. can find his um, credits. There are records where he plays guitar. Um, but um, yeah, he was an amazing, amazing piano player, and just a, quite an interesting person. Yeah. Well, right now um, I'm playing Wind in the Canyon, and of course, I love canyons. There's so many beautiful canyons. Of course, I go to uh, Sedona, and, and uh, you know, I, I have a station, KUOS, that I uh, program there and get. And, and you know, I, this vibe on this Wind in the Canyon has that, there's an energy in canyons because it captures, it captures the light and the shadows and the you're going into the depths of the canyon. You have that. So, so tell me about this. Where you got the idea, and what were you thinking of when you did "Wind in the Canyon"? Well, um, you know, it has a, a bit of a Native American vibe to it, and I, um, you know, I, I had been reading about this uh, some old Apache legends. Um, there was a legend about an Apache woman who. Um, was to be, you know, hopefully reunited with her lover, but um, she uh, couldn't, he was always far away, but she could hear, he played the, the flute, and, and, and she could hear the flute coming down through the canyon, to the reverberance of the canyon, you know, and, but, but she was always, he was always too far away, and she could never, you know, never get back to him but she just longed longed for her her lover but you only hear hear the flute you know and so that's sort of the inspiration for it well and it is interesting because there is this energy that's so beautiful uh, and so many styles of native american flute playing um they even have their own awards ceremonies and everything of mm -hmm. course um but they also have their own pacing you, you hear uh, a, a beautiful Native American flute. Um, it's not like it's in 4-4 four, four time. <laughs> this is like, no. this is, it, it actually flows with the air and the wind and, and carries that. Do you have on this, who's playing flute? You have some flute on this track, right? Um, yes, it's uh, Ron Korb. Oh, he's Ron, from, he's uh, wonderful, yes. Yeah, he lives in Toronto. Yeah, he, um, he, had, he recorded his part up there and sent it down to me. That's, yeah, I really like his playing. Yeah, fellow Grammy member, right? Yeah, yeah he is, and he's he, he's really fluent at a lot of different flutes. It's, you know, from anything from classical to jazz to uh, all kinds of interesting ethnic flutes. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's a great player. I, I would love to uh, do a whole record with him one day. Yeah. Well, uh, the next track here is um, I don't know how to pronounce G R I O. 
L. Yes, Grio. Grio, Grio. R I O T. O T. Yeah. In Memphis. So tell me about that. <laughs> well, the Grio were um, a clan um, in West Africa of, of storytellers, and, and they would they had sort of a special. Um, they were supposed. They weren't rich people or anything, but they had a special class because they were considered sort of um, a connection to the to the beyond, you know. And they would they could tell stories, and they would travel. And usually, would be playing a, a kora or an agoni, which is like a harp, hmm. sort of an African harp type of an instrument, or and also um, the um, uh, um, spacing on the name of it, the um, the mallet instrument that they would play all the time. Um, like I say, would would travel around. They would even play, uh, for, you know, audiences for the for the chief or the king, um, and they were um, they were a special class of people, and the people had a lot of reverence for them, and they were just their music was always part of the storytelling, you know. And um, so on this track, I, I used a banjo, which is an instrument that came from West Africa originally, oh. um, and I'm playing it in more of an African style. Um, as though, and, and there's a little bit of a blues influence to it, so that's sort of the Memphis part of it. <laughs> I did not know so you it, played banjo. You, is that? I mean, I've never heard you play banjo before in a piece. Oh well, I wouldn't say I'm a banjo player, but I, I I'm a banjo owner. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds. And you know what? I've never heard that story before. Now we think of Memphis now, and of course we think of kind of country music and all the background there and we think of the yeah. studio guys and the memphis cats but i never knew this background um that happened in memphis i never had heard that story well, I'm, before i'm not sure that it really happened in memphis it, it's basically like a, the idea was that a, a griot who was you know came over possibly as a slave um you know from africa uh ended up in memphis and that's sort of the scenario you mm-hmm. know I, I, here's here's a, a griot who who used to, you know, be a storyteller in his native land, and, and now he's in Memphis. And he's this is his, you know, he's a, he's adjusted to uh, to life in Memphis. But uh, no, that's just sort of it's just sort of a, a mashup of, of sort of blues and, and West African griot music. If you think about it, um, you know, if you go back to the European tradition of the troubadours, right? I mean, sure. The troubadours uh, were very honored, and they did just that. Uh, mm-hmm. They traveled from city to city, and they were honored. Yeah, um, they were yep. honored by kings and queens. They, had, they were respected. Yeah, they weren't just like dirty musicians, you know. And yeah. they were they were respected. Yeah, and the griot actually had a. Um, they you know because they were storytellers, they were the only ones who could get away with with really like telling it like it is about somebody, like if somebody was really a jerk, you know, they could actually t- say that in their stories, whereas the con- normal normal person would never do that, you know. <laughs> but the griots would, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't cut anybody any slack, you know. They would just tell it like it is, and the people would accept it because it was coming, they, they considered a message coming from, you know, from beyond. You know, oh, like that, a, you was, know, that was exactly the same thing that happened with the troubadours. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, so they could get away with they could they could you know they could really like I say tell it like it is. Yeah. And, uh, wow. And, and, and hopefully not. Them for it. <laughs> hopefully not get arrested. Um, okay, circle of <laughs> circle of friends. This is a little different. What what are you doing on this piece? It's beautiful. Well, it's um it's a little more of a, a bluegrassy uh, vibe, a Celtic bluegrass vibe. It's um 
you know, I, I used to, um, I had a friend here for many years who would organize these jam sessions, and either his house or somebody else's house, and there's always a great group of players. You'd have, you know, fiddle players and mandolin players and harmonica, and even had a tuba player one time. And um, it was always, you know, it was just a circle, like, it's called Circle of Friends, because this was like, you know, this, this circle of, of friends of, of playing music, you know, so it has a sort of a joyous feel, and it has a lot of those kind of Mm. mandolin and fiddle and harmonica and, um, upright bass really and upright yeah, bass, yeah yeah um, and, so it, and you get a, a chance to play slack key guitar on this yeah yeah it's, uh, it's sort of a bluegrassy version of slack key <laughs> it's very sweet and actually you know what it kind of kind of feels like the 1800s of some pieces mm-hmm. that go back again it could be mm-hmm. an could be in a Ken Burns movie when he's doing talking about what happened back then. Um, yeah. It's very sweet. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to the great Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West uh, about his new album, which is really beautiful. It's called Of Wood and Spirit. Um, and if you go to his site, um, you can get all kinds of information about all of his music and downloads and um, beautiful things that he has. You can also sign up, of course, for his newsletter. Um, and your, your website is... Uh, it's just jimkimowest.com, J-I-M-K-I-M-O-W-E-S-T.com. And I'm going to go into the next song here, which is, mm-hmm. I'm actually turning it on now, is the next song. Uh, this next one's interesting also. It's um, the only one you have actually for a person. It's called Emrin Song. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'll tell you how that came about. Um, it's an interesting story. Um, I have some friends uh, who live in L.A. They're from Hawaii. And their their little daughter um, was having a birthday party. I think it was her third birthday. And they were going to have a backyard party, and they asked me if I would come and play. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. And um, and I, I had actually spaced out and forgot about it, and all of a sudden I had to race over there. I made it in time, you know. But I decided I would just play straight through. You know, I'm not going to take any breaks. I'm just going to play for like two hours, you know. And so towards the end, I was kind of running out of ideas of what to play. I didn't bring a song with Sudmi or anything. And I thought, well, I got, I'll got i play, you know, I only have time for one more song. And I, it was just sort of in the background. I wasn't, it wasn't like a concert or anything. I was just playing music in the background. And, um, and so uh, I wasn't sure what to play, but, you know, I thought, oh, I got to play something else. And I just started jamming. I started playing something. And then I noticed a lot of people stopped talking and were all listening. And I thought, oh, this, I think this might be a good song, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went, so I went home and, and and finished it, and and so I named it after the daughter. That's their daughter, Emma, and who um, was her, her birthday. So what a nice birthday gift! Birthday <laughs> How sweet, huh? And this uh, you did. You mentioned here, which is nice, about your tunings uh, mm-hmm. lowered to B. It says here. So if you're in dislike, you also can see a nice thing on the album about. Uh, the tuning's lowest to highest strings, which people who are slacky aficionados, I'm sure, appreciate as well. Okay. Yeah, but- I try and put the tunings on all my albums, um, you know, and so that if people want to learn it, I mean, I don't have much written music for my stuff. I do have some on my website, but I don't have a lot. Um, but if, you know, if you know the tuning, then it makes it a little easier to, to learn the song. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, okay, we have two more songs, and I think we can get them in before the end of the show. The next one is When Water Dreams, and I love that title. Tell me about that one. Well, I, I read a quote about how, um, 
snowflakes were the product of of water dreaming. Oh. <laughs> and and I had this uh, image of just snow, you know, beautiful snow falling in you know Vermont or somewhere like that. And, mm-hmm. and that was sort of the feeling, uh, you know, that I was getting on on this. It's just a wintry kind of a, a sound, you know. And um, but you know I, I I like titles that can be taken a lot of different ways. You yeah. Know? So you know it's however anybody wants to, you know people can have their own interpretation. But that was that's sort of where it came from. I had this, like I said, I read this quote about snowflakes or or what happens when water dreams. <laughs> well, and it's a beautiful idea because you know no two snowflakes are the same. And yes, out of the billions of snowflakes that fall, they're all unique. <laughs> and so once they become um, that water and fall, um, to see that dream that would unite all of these amazingly different uh, formations of a yeah. snowflake um, makes a beautiful dream, uh, a kind of a universal dream of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. Um, which is lovely. Um, and uh, we have one more here which um, is called A Love That Forgives. I love that title, too, and there's a story behind it, isn't there? Yeah, well, um, you know, there. Uh, I really wrote it. I was just um, trying. I wanted to play something on this baritone guitar. So I have an electric baritone guitar, and um, I started coming up with this sort of gospel-y Americana uh, thing, and at the same time, I, I had been reading... Um, I had this book uh, I'm trying to think of it uh, sort of a, a, a lot of American stories a book of a lot of American stories that a friend of mine gave me and um, and I was, I was at the part where I was reading this song about um, uh, this, this, this sermon that was called The Love That Forgives and it was a sermon that was um, that was given at a church in Birmingham um Sunday Sunday school service at a church in Birmingham um, not long after um, the horrible um, incident there where, you know, the KKK planted a bomb and, you know, blew up a bunch of people. It was, was you know, a civil rights sermon, but it was was basically, uh, I mean, that was the message, you know, I mean, it was uh, forgiveness. Uh, you know, it's a be- just a beautiful message, and and it just felt like it fit with that music. It just felt like uh, they went together. You know, you know. And as I'm listening to all this music, um, in a way, it makes me appreciate America and the roots, um, and the important role music has played in American history. Yes, and absolutely. You know, through all of the history and all the stories and all of the changes and challenges that we faced. Uh, music has always been there, and it's been very important in America. It sure has, and and um, if I can, this this book, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now, but it's quite amazing, and it has a has stories basically going back to the be um, to the beginning of uh, of American history, and how how uh, you know, and the stories with the mu- music stories, stories of music. Um, oh yeah, it's called Songs of America by John Meacham. Oh, and um, it's quite a beautiful book, and uh, there's amazing stories in there. And you know, it's interesting because you have been blessed to be able to, 
you've probably gone to every state in America on these tours. Have you, has there been any state you, you've missed on, on, when you're touring? No, I've been to every state, yeah. I've played in every state. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that something? I mean, just think about that. Isn't that a blessing to be able to say you played music in every single state in America? I mean, yeah, that, you know, and, and I, I guess that's, you know, like I say, that's kind of like one of the reasons I wanted to do this record, because not everybody gets to do that. And, and I've, you know, I've been all over the country and many to some states many, many, many times. And um, I just thought it would just seem like a a good, good thing to do to kind of just take all that, all the, the you know, all that experience and kind of create something musically from you know, musical from that experience. And and just getting back to how we do it, you know, it's Grammy time where we start doing our submissions, and um, you know, this right. always they change the categories up. Son, did you notice how they've moved a few things around and, and kind of consolidated? Have you looked at the category submissions this year? Yeah, I haven't really looked at it. I, I know there's been some changes, so I'll. I've been meaning to, I think I'll probably take a look at it all this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. It's interesting because this year I decided to just spoken word poetry. I, I, I submitted something last year in spoken word poetry and it got moved to spoken word. And there were only two categories. There was spoken word, which is the big books from all the huge stars and politicians and everything. Right. And then yeah, there's you can't the poetry. Compete with them, yeah. yeah. But it, it got moved from spoken word poetry to spoken word. But this year it's weird because they put spoken word poetry in with the rap artists and the rap and the hip hop and all that what? stuff. I know. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> and I. Well, I don't think spoken word poetry is really like hip-hop or rap or, you know, they have like three or four categories of rap in that category and hip-hop, and then there's spoken word poetry. I'm going, well, mine will stand out a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little different than, than those other rap artists, but that's what it is. It'll be interesting indeed. Oh, my God. Are, isn't that crazy? Well, are, who knows? Who are you going to put this in Americana? What category would this be? Americana, you think? Gee, I, you know, usually I'm in new age category, and um, I um, I don't see why, you know, new age can't have uh, some Americana in it, you know. <laughs> you know, you are right. Why not, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's essentially it's the vibe of the record is, is closer to a new age record. A contemporary instrumental category is more, I don't know, it's more like kind of, um, you know, jazzy, yeah, uh, yeah. melodic. I don't know. I remember years ago my... When I entered my first Guitar Stories record, I entered it in contemporary instrumental, thinking, well, it's contemporary and it's instrumental, and then yeah. they moved it to New Age. Right, right. I remember. So, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll probably put it in in the New Age category. I, I'll have to look at the categories and see, but um, I don't know. You know, it's funny how to, you know, categorize music. It's kind of crazy, because you just write music. You know, I, I don't think about... Yeah. what to call it, what style it is. It is to me, it's just music, you know, and, yeah. and you know, then all of a sudden now you've got to categorize it somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't want to write music specifically so that it could be categorized as, as something, you know. I know. I wouldn't really feel right. I would just feel like to, I just like to write music. And I've always said they should have a category that's the best uncategorizable music category. I, I'd go for that. <laughs> I would vote for that. I would love that because that's the way I feel. I have that station in Sedona, KUOS, and I'll be playing this interview there and your music there. But um, when I, I play it on some of these streaming apps, once they have TuneIn and another one called Radio Players, mm-hmm. it comes up as adult hits. 
I'm going, what? what? I, 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 I'm definitely not playing hits, and it's it's not designed as adults or anything. It's like, how did you how did you come up with that category? It's like I didn't submit it in that. It's like what? Um, but yeah, no, that's so much for categories, yeah, it, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's nowadays especially it's it's hard to categorize music, but people like to be able to say, oh, it's this or it's that. I know, I know. It's like, hey, no, it's just music. It's just music, and uh, it's it's whether it's good or, you know, I think that should be the only category is if you like it, if it's good, or if you don't like it. um, But anyway, people tend to, you know, especially in the Grammys, of course, they got to have all their categories. (laughs) Well, on on this uh, album, you say, um, in all of my years of touring, I visited every state in America, I've seen an amazing variety of landscapes and enjoyed conversations with people of every creed and background. Although I've witnessed so much change in this country, the spirit remains. And I think that's a beautiful way to end this uh, conversation because, you know, you're so right. Um, and I'm, I feel really lucky to be able to have had the time to go through the album, to talk to you, and to listen to it in this way. I recommend people going to your website and getting it and signing up for your newsletter. It's always fascinating. Uh, that's called, your website again is? Uh, yeah, it's jimkimowest.com, J-I-M-K-I-M-O-W-E-S-T.com. And you can also, you know, listen to it if you if you are on Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora or any of those, you can you can find it on on all those services as well. Thank you for your generous time and your insights, and definitely your beautiful playing. Uh, I really appreciate who you are and the way you express oh, yourself you. musically. A big aloha to you. Aloha, Cindy. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Earlier this month. Carl Rackley, 40 of Mukawau, was arrested Saturday and later charged with second-degree murder in connection with the case. The Maui Fire Department has been advised that residents have been receiving phone calls soliciting donations for the Maui Fire Department. The Fire Department would like to confirm that these phone calls are unauthorized and that donations are not being solicited. Tonight's weather, windy and mostly cloudy with scattered showers. Lows 70 to 75, northeast winds 15 to 30 miles per hour. From the Visionary Radio News Center, I'm Gary Forsberg. KAOI, Kihei, 1110 AM, 96.7 and 96.5 West Side, 98.7 Up Country. It's 2 o'clock. This is the CBS World News Roundup Late Edition, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Jennifer Kuyper in Chicago. A tornado leaves a trail of damage in Dorches, North Carolina, some 50 miles northeast of Raleigh. Homes and a Pfizer plant have been heavily damaged. Dorches Mayor Jackie Vick says there's no loss of life. We've got a generator running so people can come in here and cool off. So we're just trying to help out. We've got people going to pick up more water and supplies now. Rain and floodwaters hit western Kentucky. The Weather Channel's Justin Michaels was there. Just outside the city of Mayfield, what is expected to be a new 24-hour rainfall record for the state with over 11 inches. Residents here are still coping from the devastating and deadly tornado that ripped through the region less than two